Te Papa curator Colin Miskelly is heading out of the museum to walk the length of Aotearoa, New Zealand, to document and count every single bird he sees and hears along the way. The project will be tracked online through Colin's blog. We've got a link to that on our afternoons page. He's heading to the far north where he will start his trek along the Te Araroa Trail, uh, and he's going to be doing it right through to March next year. We will try and catch up with him along the way, but we thought we'd catch up with him right now while he's putting his walking shoes on. Hi, Colin. Kira, <laughs> Jesse. Nice to uh, talk thank, to you. Thank you for inviting me along. Yeah, great to chat. Um, not everyone will have heard of the Te Araroa Trail. Yeah, it's surprising how low profile it is. When I, I suspect it's, it's probably better known internationally than it is here, but... Really? Um, I heard that 4,000 people walked it last year, but a lot of those were internationals who'd been held up with the COVID bottleneck, I suppose, (laughs) not being able to get into the country. So um, it was pretty popular last season. What is it exactly? Uh, Well, it's a concept that um, had its origins about 20 years ago, I suppose, or early 90s, even going further back. It was was, um, the idea is to link up existing walkways uh, so that you can walk the entire length of the country. And over time, the TRO Trust is trying to get more and more of the trail off roads, you know, because a lot of it initially was alongside country roads and things. And, you know, the ideal would be able to walk from Cape Ringo to Bluff without needing to walk alongside a road. But when you go through places like Auckland, that's a little bit of a challenge. Yeah, so, yeah the, the metropolitan areas, it's very much the sort of, urban walkways that a lot of people to walk on every day and, and probably don't even pay much attention to the little tiara trail symbols that pop up every so often. Yeah, so room for improvement, but um, is what exists at the moment impressive enough? Presumably there's some oh, yeah. pretty cool tracks yeah. amongst it. Absolutely. It, it, you know, people, people probably are aware of you know great walk tracks, and by and large the tiara trail doesn't follow them. Now, it touches on the um, Tongariro Northern Circuit, and a part of it's down the Whanganui River, and and um, other ones are just on major walkways. Uh, yeah, some of them are well known, and and others are pretty much off the beaten track. And of course, there's quite a lot of it that's on private land by the generosity of the the owners of the land and uh, local Tangata Whenua. So yeah, there's a it's a whole community that are supporting the trail. So why are you walking it, Colin? Ah, well, I, I suppose because it's there, yeah. but um, very much you know, my passion and interest has always been New Zealand birds. And at the moment, we are approaching the, well, we're into the final year of the New Zealand Bird Atlas Scheme. And this is a project that Birds New Zealand is running in associ- association with the Cornell University, who have a global um, bird citizen science database called eBird. And so Birds New Zealand members and other people who are enthused about New Zealand birds over the last, I suppose, four and a half years have been counting and recording birds all over the country. And this is actually the third time that Birds New Zealand have done this. Uh, it's the first time that it's been done through a digital portal, which just shows how technology's changed mm. Uh, since the very first atlas in the 1970s. But with these being done roughly every 30 years, it gives it's a way of showing how New Zealand bird communities change at a landscape scale. 
And it's going to be fascinating when all the data's in and we can crunch the numbers and just see what's changed because we, we know at a broad scale how New Zealand landscapes have changed with conversion from sheep farming to dairy and uh, you know increasing planting of pine trees on sheep farms as well. So you know at a broad scale, New Zealand landscapes change. And this is a way that you can find out how do the bird communities change in response to that. So tell me what your plan is. Um, <laughs> it's basically put one foot in front of the other. But yeah. the, the, method, the, the method that I use is basically a two-kilometre transect. So I've got a GPS-enabled watch. And as I set off, I'll you know, basically push the start button and it'll give me a, a buzz every kilometre. And after one kilometre, I record the GPS waypoint. So that's the way I can anchor where I am because uh, at times I'll be a long way away from internet or cell phone coverage. Yeah. Um, and so I'll be manually collating that. I'm a little bit old school. I, I really rely on pencils and notebooks and uh, basically writing down in a notebook as I go. So I might be keeping a mental track until my brain is full and I might have counted five birds. So I pull out my notebook out of my the pocket of, front pocket of my pack and write down the a few things and, and by and large I can do that at walking pace of maybe four kilometres an hour on easy roads or trails and it slows down a bit when the terrain gets a bit gnarlier but just occasionally the birds make it complicated and you know, I might come to an estuary or a lake where there's heaps of things and, and that's when I have to stop and slow down and get the binoculars out and, and make a more thorough count but, but for the most part I can do it pretty much at walking pace. Yeah. Are you expecting to see many birds? Well, I, it depends whether you're talking about species or individuals. Mm. Um, I'm actually really interested to know what the number will be. My, my hunch is that it will be something in the mid ten thousands. You may see. Are you serious? Birds. Yeah. Really? And, and just occasionally there'll be big aggregations, like and and ironically, probably one of the biggest flocks or you know, concentrations of birds I'm likely to see is near central Auckland. Uh, so the track goes around the Amberley Farm Park, which is a major high tide roost for wading birds from the Manukau Harbour. Yeah. And I haven't actually checked what the tide will be <laughs> as I walk through that section, but potentially there might be 5,000 birds at one place, you know, at, you know all roosting. Um, so there could be very large aggregations, but by and large we're talking... Oh, per transect, it might be 15 species and oh, probably on average 50 or 60 individuals per two kilometres. So I haven't really thought about how much it might add up to the entire trail, but yeah. Yeah, maybe maybe your listeners should take a punt on it. Yeah, and speaking of taking a punt, you'll just be, I mean, you'll just be guessing if you see um, thousands of birds, you'll just have to take a quick sort of mental snapshot and, and guess oh, how many... Yeah. Yeah, well, that, that's something that I, I suppose if you're in this line of interest, you, you get some experience at. Yeah. And often with the big roosting wader flocks, uh, they are stationary. They're just sitting at the high tide waiting for the mudflats to be exposed. And so the technique you use there is to count them in blocks. So you might count 100 and then visualise in your binocular mm. field how many is 100 and then just multiply that until you get to 800 or... Whatever. So yeah. that's the basic technique. But um, 
something that I am hoping is that I'll get to my hut or campsite before the evening murmurations of starlings, because that would challenge even the, the most experienced <laughs> counter. <laughs> yeah. How much planning have you done for this walk? Oh, way too much. Yeah, there's a whole scale of, of how you can approach TRR from the um, just hop off an international flight and grab your backpack and off you go and make it up as you go to the militaristic plan every meal and you know every hut. And, and I'm probably towards the, the latter part of that spectrum, which does mean that hopefully once I start walking, all the planning's done and all I have to do is walk and count birds and the, the rest of it, no. of it all will fall into place. Are you going by yourself? No, I'm not. Um, for the most part, well, we'll see how we go. My, my brother Gordon, who's a lecturer in chemistry, but... Um, he has a real interest in tramping and the wildlife and the outdoors. So, um, yep, the two of us are setting off with lots of support from our partners and friends and family along the way and um, a community of, of you know, there's the, the birding community have been great. You know, there's people who are offering places to stay along the way. And, yeah, it's, it's going to be a great social event, even though we're basically walking it by ourselves. That's great. And you get some time off work to do it, hey? Oh, it's a, it's a, a negotiation. I'm doing a small amount of work as I go, which is why these blogs are going up on the Tapapa website. Mm-hmm. So a um, couple of days a week is officially work, and the rest of it's my own time. And um, yeah, hopefully there will be roughly every week a blog popping up on the Tapapa blog site. So the first one went up this morning, which is just an introduction to the trail and what the project's all about. But roughly when I get to each major metropolitan centre. Um, I'll do a summary of what happened since the last blog. So the first one will be, well, the next one will be Cape Ranga to Kaitaia, then Kaitaia to Kirikiri, Kirikiri to Whangarei Heads. And, yeah, we'll just walk, work our way down the, the country, sort of summarising what was the most common, the most unexpected, what were the highlights, and, yeah, and basically putting together a bit of a story about the wildlife as we go. Great. Is there one particular day you're really looking forward to? Oh, many, many. <laughs> but ironically, in a way, the, the ones that, that already stick out are the ones that are the exception to the trail. And, and so an example there is that the whole timing of our departure is based around I'm booked on a seabird watching trip out of Tutakaka on the 18th of November. And so I calculated how long will it take me to walk from Cape Rianga to Nongaru. And... The answer, well, I think it will be about 16 days. So yeah. I'll, I'll be starting on the 2nd of November so that I can get, go out on a seabird watching trip that's not even part of the trail. <laughs> so, yeah, there's a few quirky things like that that I'll be fitting in along the way. But um, but every day will be a highlight. It always is. If you've, if you've got an interest in natural history, um, there's always things that are unexpected or um, like it might be even just moving south down the country encountering some old friend from down south that this is the furthest north they go. So the first Kararaya, the first Tutuai, first Popakatea, you know, all these species that don't go all the way up the North Island. It will be really cool just to encounter them as I work my way south. Love it. Um, really great chat. Someone on uh, text wanted to acknowledge uh, someone called Jeff Chappell, who apparently was um, a big sort of pioneer in that Te Araroa Trail. Um, for now, Colin, I want to say thanks for your time. Good luck, and hey, let's catch up partway through. 
Yeah, we'll, we'll give it a try. The communication might make it a challenge, but um, we've got four and a half months to pick an occasional window of opportunity, <laughs> so we'll see what we can do. Good stuff. Nice to chat. Thank you. Colin Kelly, who is off to do the Te Aroa Trail, Te Araroa Trail, from top of New Zealand to the bottom, and he's counting all the birds he sees along the way.